Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, good friends. Good to see you today. And welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. Now, you know, I'm no fan of Mitch McConnell's, but I have to admit that McConnell gave the best assessment of why, despite expectations of a big red wave, that Republican candidates fare so badly in the midterms, actually losing a seat in the Senate and barely winning the House. We were so eager to please MAGA Republicans, McConnell said, the party was so defined by negative attacks and internal chaos that we ended up frightening away moderate Republicans and independent voters. In other words, McConnell said, moving forward, Republicans have to be more positive and actually stand for something, not just attacking Democrats. Ha, good advice. Unfortunately, it was lost on Kevin McCarthy and House Republicans, who, driven by extremists like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates, have just put forward the most extreme and negative agenda in the House that you could imagine. Today's guest, A.B. Stoddard, associate editor and columnist for Real Clear Politics, warns that this is the kind of agenda that could only further alienate and frighten moderates and independents. A.B. Stoddard, good to talk to you again, and welcome to the Bill Press Pod. Bill, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. So, uh, A.B., in your latest column for the for Real Clear Politics, uh, I found very interesting. You uh, point out there that after the midterms, uh, Senate Leader Mitch McConnell said one of the reasons Republicans didn't do better was that because all the negativity and the chaos in the Republican Party frightened away a lot of moderate and independent Republican, moderate Republican voters and independent voters. Um, he kind of had it right, don't you think? Yes, and I, th I thought that was interesting. Uh, the Senate Republican leader had tried in August, as we recall, to warn that some of the candidates weren't uh, looking like winners in what was to be a red wave year. He talked about yeah. the words candidate quality. And then surely after losing um, a bunch of Senate races that they had hoped to win most of, uh, and then actually losing an open seat, he came out and really was the only Republican in leadership, not Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader, not Ronna McDaniel, the Republican National Committee chairman, um, nor anyone in the universe of Donald Trump, um, came out and said, look, this is what we did to swing voters. They, they, they were frightened by Republicans. And it was very blunt talk, but it's been interesting to see um, how ignored Mitch McConnell is. The rest yeah. of the Republican Party is carrying on as if everything well, went quite well. Well, I was going to ask next. I mean, so what do you think privately that Mitch McConnell must think about Kevin McCarthy and the new House Republican agenda? Well, 
it was um, not lost on those of us who pay attention to this closely uh, that Mitch McConnell did appear uh, during one of the days of this of the this the House votes in which <laughs> McCarthy struggled to become Speaker for four days. McConnell appeared with the president in a bipartisan event in Kentucky um, celebrating uh, funds from the infrastructure law that Mitch McConnell did support um, that would be aiding a bridge in Kentucky. And that's, you know, you know, Bill, that Mitch McConnell doesn't do things by accident. Everything is very, very intentional. And I think he believes that Kevin McCarthy is going to give the Republican Party a world of hurt in the next two years in the way that he set up the House Republican Conference and the majority over there. And uh, Mitch McConnell's over in the Senate, where, of course, it is a Democratic majority. Um, It's going to be very interesting to see what happens to Mitch McConnell, where a Senate map for 2024 on paper looks great for Republicans, but not if they continue as a, as a party with that base of voters to nominate untenable candidates who are reckless, chaotic election deniers, fill in all the blanks. And so he has the chaos of the House and he does not know what he's getting into in terms of what kind of candidates can be recruited and can get past the Republican primary electorate and become candidates um, that could actually be Democrats uh, next year. It's going to be a fascinating path to, to, to so, observe. Right. So when you look at uh, the agenda that McCarthy and Steve Scalise and the others have put forward, and they've been very upfront about it, right? And we'll talk about a lot of the um, things that they've proposed from impeachment hearings to Hunter Biden hearings to the debt ceiling, the, all of those cards. I mean, would you agree this is a an agenda that seems particularly directed to the MAGA base of the party and not to the moderates and independents that Mitch McConnell's talking about? That's exactly right, Bill. It's it's They are running the House majority as if they picked up 50 seats in, <laughs> right. in a massive wave election in a triumph instead of limping across the finish line, likely because of a few seats in New York state. I mean, they are only catering to the MAGA base. They are not trying to broaden the party and attract the kind of voters that they could win next year to have more than a four or five seat margin. They're doing the opposite. They're contracting and instead of expanding their appeal. And it's it's very intentional. It's because of the fear of the base and the fear of the voices who held McCarthy hostage and asked for ransom payment and were paid ransom money Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the power that they have within the base, the platforms that they have um, in conservative conservative media and the power that they have to raise money, small dollar donations. He is terrified of all of that. And that's why he made all those concessions. So it does make you wonder, did they learn anything from the midterms? (laughs) No. Yeah, apparently not, right? 
So who who AB who's really running the show in the house now? Well, what's interesting is Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene, even though they're on different sides of these issues, at least now. Um, these were fringe figures in the in the prior con- uh, con- Republican yeah. conference. They have now been elevated to uh, big players. Uh, Matt Gates is one of the most vocal rebels, and um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is is a a McCarthy lieutenant, a new yeah. ally of yeah. the of the McCarthy uh, leadership establishment, who went to bat in MAGA world on behalf of Kevin McCarthy and has been rewarded um, for it and will continue to be rewarded for it because she will threaten to leave him and join the rebels if he doesn't um, give mm-hmm. her maximum influence. So these people are now central figures and they have no incentive to back down and they have no incentive to go along uh, with McCarthy. The 20 rebels, Marge, None of these people really have an incentive to take care of Kevin McCarthy and make his speakership an easy ride. It's in it's in their best interest to continue to to keep to be seen by their base as fighting, fighting mm-hmm. the rhinos and fighting the establishment. They have you know we know they they represent very uh, red districts where they're going to be easily reelected. They don't need swing voters, and they don't care if the party. Um, is turning off swing voters. So, uh, and, and when you say who's in charge, yeah, Kevin McCarthy is supposed to be in charge, but he has he has promised he will pay ransom over and over again to hostage takers. And so we have to basically look at this as if they are in charge. Well, and in fact, right under something that big that he gave away, any one of them, any one of them. Republican or Democrat, can call into question his speakership at any moment on any issue whatsoever. Right. And I don't know what they have to lose, even if they can't gather enough Republicans to join them. You know, if you're Bob Good, who said he'd never vote for of, of Virginia, said he'd never vote for Kevin McCarthy. You know, you have nothing to lose if you're raising uh, tons of money off this, off these, off these stands. If you just, you know, go to the floor and call a motion to vacate the speaker's chair and pull a stunt that fails, the these people are. They, their influence is amplified every time they do something like this. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, it really is an amazing concession that McCarthy made because first it was a larger number, uh, then it was five, and now it's one. And certainly, obviously, that Republican can join with Democrats and a few other Republicans and bounce McCarthy from the Speaker's chair, at, at which point. I don't know what the rebels' plans would be, but um, <laughs> right. certainly McCarthy's going to live under the threat of that every single day, every single decision he makes. Right. And now, I believe it's in your column, that, and you've referenced it a couple of times here. Um, I think in your column, you call them the fundraising caucus, if, I, if I'm yes. correct. But, so what do you mean by that? Uh, just so our listeners understand, I mean, these individuals— really do have an incredibly independent uh, way of raising money these days. Right. So, Bill— Tell us, tell us about we, that a little bit. Right. Yeah. When you've been watching how Washington functions for a long time and what's changed 
is that the parties are really dying. Um, they're, they're, they're on their deathbed. The parties as institutions are no longer able to stop insurgencies, fend off those kind of candidates. They're not able to field good candidates who can win general elections. And that's because they no longer have, they, they no longer control uh, the money. People used to need large contributions that were that filtered through the party or through mm -hmm. the speaker. You know, John Boehner, when he was speaker, would yeah. show up on the floor with checks to remind <laughs> people what it would mean if they rebelled against him. Now, someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Fred Upton, who just retired, he was the energy and commerce chairman, one of the most powerful committees in, in the House. And he said he... Marjorie Taylor Greene can make more on Snapchat or Instagram raising small dollar amounts in in a in a quarter than he used to make as a chairman. He used to raise as a chairman in a cycle. Wow. But this wow. is this is an entirely yeah. different shift in the mechanics of how you fund your campaign. And if you can be rewarded for outrage and lies and being in Congress without even a committee assignment, as Marjorie Taylor Greene was in the last Congress, you don't need the leadership and you are not afraid of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is new, as you say, from the from the new from the kind of politics we've been covering and following for a long time. <laughs> Certainly different than when I was Democratic state chair of California a long time ago. So let's talk about some of the items in this agenda and 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 what their appeal might be. So start with the debt ceiling. I mean, so I'm paraphrasing, but the the promise, it sounds like, we, we will not raise the debt ceiling without massive cuts in spending across the board, maybe even some military cuts in spending, and we're even willing to shut down the government if we have to to get it. Now, first of all, A.B., this is nothing new, right? This has been tried before. Yes. Uh, not very successfully before. Well, what's so interesting is that last time there was even a threat of a debt default in, I believe, 2011, we suffered a credit rating downgrade. This is this, These events rattle global markets and are obviously the actual default itself would be catastrophic and that we haven't gone there. But this flirtation with it is also quite costly. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that the rebels are using the threat of it because they believe that gives them good leverage um, is very reckless. And we're not um, in a good place here with McCarthy promising them steep cuts because the Biden administration has said all along that we pay our debts on, you know, that we already owe and we don't we're not we're, we're passing a clean debt ceiling. That's 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 what we're mm -hmm. doing. We're not going to be. We're not being held hostage by the House Republicans, and so um, McCarthy, instead of being a leader and telling his followers what they're going to do to keep the lights on, um, is is going along with this idea that they can all get together and come up with some massive spending cuts um, because <laughs> mm -hmm. um, they're demanding them in a government where the Democrats still control the White House and the Senate majority. Right. So it's it's kind of ridiculous, but they're they're going to these rebels have to continue to telling their audience and the base that they've got Kevin on their side and and McCarthy is likely to get 
you know, to, to, to allow them to, to, to indulge them until the very bitter end. And, and then what's likely to happen is he's going to work with a Senate democratic majority and a democratic president and cut some deal, um, where the rebels get to vote against it, but enough reasonable Republicans will vote with Democrats. And then Kevin McCarthy at that point, you know, could likely be bounced from his speakership because he will have sold out, um, MAGA to the Democrats. Right. It makes you wonder if they've ever talked to Newt Gingrich about how that happened for Newt Gingrich, right? <laughs> you and I remember that, right? <laughs> so yes, well. And, yeah. and John Boehner remembers that. I mean, he yeah. he was trying yeah. to 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 get through the fiscal cliff and everything else with the threat from Ted Cruz in the Senate telling people on conservative media all over the country that the Republicans had the votes to defund Obamacare and they just had to find their nerve. And none of that was ever true. So we, we've we really been in a burning kitchen before with the kids playing with matches. This is not, it's not like we haven't been through it recently, but obviously these, these guys don't care. It does also make you wonder, so the debt ceiling comes up, pops up all the time under Donald Trump. Uh, twice under Donald Trump, Republicans went along with raising a debt ceiling. I didn't hear a peep of protest. The national debt under Donald Trump, I checked this morning, uh, increased by $7.8 trillion. I didn't hear a peep from House Republicans about that either. It's right. almost like fiscal conservatism uh, is popular only when the Democrats are in the White House. And we knew that this would happen. I mean, we went from a Paul Ryan Republican Party where they wanted to overhaul Medicare, reform entitlements, um, get us back on the road to to balance mm -hmm. through all these, you know, long term plans, short term plans, austerity plans to Donald Trump, who said, I'm never touching that stuff. It's unpopular with the voters. They want their entitlement spending and I'm never going to touch it. So they all go quiet, including the Freedom Caucus. And we just knew that the minute they moved past Trump, that they would relocate their fiscal rectitude. And lo and behold, they have. Uh, and, and does McCarthy really think, who knows, right? I, this is an unfair question. I guess I couldn't answer. Maybe you can. I, I just wonder if McCarthy really believes that this is what the American people want, right? To shut down the government without deep spending cuts in Medicare, Social Security, and maybe even the military. Well, he's using weasel words. He said the other day at his press conference that they're going to protect Social Security and, Med and, and Medicare. And, you know, you never know what protect means. It could mean privatize, but yeah, you know, right. it, it could also mean we're not going to touch them. And we know this is, you know, a political killer for us. It, he's he, they're They're trying to dance around it um, so that and then dance around military spending um, cuts because they don't want the fight to start now, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to begin in earnest soon and their own members are going to tie them down on these issues. So, you know, you, you can never trust what Kevin McCarthy says because he'll sell himself out by three o'clock this afternoon. But, but you, you can tell that no one really has a plan. You, you have a Chip Roy from Texas, one of the leading negotiators of the 20 rebels saying, we never talked about defense cuts. That was never, it was only discretionary. We never talked about entitlements. And then you have everyone else bouncing around saying, 
you want to go after the military, we're going to have to go after entitlements. And Jim Jordan saying, of course, we're going to go after military spending. So they're all talking out of different sides of, the, of, of their collective mouth. And it's, um, it, it's, it's hard to get a handle on what they think they can pull off. I don't think they obviously have a cohesive plan. And McCarthy will say whatever he needs to get through the day. Uh, to use another of the Mitch McConnell words that he described a Republican Party, uh, a party of chaos at the time, and we've seen e even more chaos. Just getting started on taking a look at the House GOP. They have a bare majority. They're already moving ahead with their agenda. Our guest, A.B. Stoddard from Real Clear Politics. Let's take a quick break and then come back and take a look at some of the other things that we're hearing from McCarthy and uh, the McCarthy camp in the House here on the Bill Press Pod. Hold on. We'll be right back. Podcast with A.B. Stoddard, uh, brought to you by the American Federation of Teachers, the great members of the AFT, Teachers of America, under President Randy Weingarten. They are on the front lines in the classroom every day from K through 12, preschool and K through 12, higher education, uh, doing our Lord's work by providing the best education we can in our public schools of America. We salute the teachers. The members of the AFT thank them for their great work and thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Today's podcast, our guest, A.B. Stoddard, who is a associate editor and columnist at Real Clear Politics and whom you see often on CNN and MSNBC, cable TV. Uh, A.B., it's good to have you back. So uh, the first week that they're in power, Republicans already moved on a couple of fronts. First, they, uh, they voted to cut the funding in the omnibus bill for the IRS to hire 80, 87,000 new employees. They call them agents, right? Uh, uh, again, one wonders if this is what the American people want, but they claim it's going to save taxpayers all this money and get the IRS off our backs. This is an interesting one, Bill. I understand that the IRS is a long time 
you know, bipartisan punching bag and everybody loathes yeah. it. But, but I don't, first of all, they're not being entirely truthful about what the savings are. It's not 87,000 new agents or auditors or, you know, it's, it's over a many year span and it replaces some people who are going to retire and attrition and all sorts of things. It's not, it's not exactly what they're describing, but it it is really strange when you step back and think the Republican party is telling America that we're going to aid tax cheats. (laughs) It's kind of strange. No, I, 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 I've been laughing, but it really is to me how how they could get there. And by the way, I think we should point out, as you've seen, the Congressional Budget Office said that you're actually cutting seventy one billion over time, not eighty billion, but you're losing by this one hundred and eighty six billion in reduced revenues because people are going, more people are are going to be cheating on their taxes. So you spend 80 to lose 186. Why is this a good deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I have found so often since the rise of Donald Trump that Republicans treat their voters often as if they're not informed. And that's just an object. That's, mm-hmm. that's an objective statement. They, that's what they do. They, they they talk about things in a way as if no one is going to read the fine print, understand what it really means, uh, sniff around. It's just, this is just another, you know, it's one of those examples. They think it's a bumper sticker and that that's all they need. Yeah, right. All right. Now, here's one thing that the American people really want, right, which is another investigation of Hunter Biden. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Fasten your seatbelts. We're going to get it. Yeah. This has been obviously just a, like a real North Star for the Republicans <laughs> for the last few years. And it, it really um, it, it, it's very unifying. Um, they, you know, they, there's really no one that objects to this except for maybe Mitt Romney. You know, there's just no pushback from even the moderate Republicans. Um, on this. So that is going to be the, a, a big focus uh, along with, um, you know, the potential look into um, Joe Biden and Joe Biden's brother. So um, right. they, they keep talking about how they're going to be probing the family finances of the Bidens. Um, Hunter is a really, really troubled person. And so this is, this, this is a really, um, particularly uh, ugly uh, prospect, right? That this is going to mm-hmm. be a day in, day out um, focus on this man um, who is uh, an addict, who has a really unstable personal life um, and professional life. And um, this is going to really, really, really crush their family. And Republicans know that. Um, so while it's going to be very exciting for um, the Fox News viewers, I really wonder, you know, several months into it, um, whether or not it's going to really boomerang on them. And, and I wonder how many people, I'm not sure that many people remember, but the, the, the Senate, when it was under Republican control, uh, they had their own, they did their own. Ron Johnson was in charge of it, right? The Homeland Security Committee, they did a months-long investigation of Hunter Biden. 
and and they ended up correctly finding out that he'd made some horrible judgments in terms of the jobs that he took when his father was vice president. But they concluded that he was guilty of a conflict of interest, but there was no impact on U.S. policy and no criminal activity. Duh. Right. And and but Bill, those are small details. That's right. Yeah, we're just <laughs> we're going to do it. We're going to do it uh, all over again. All right. Now here's something new I find in the Republican agenda. I want to ask you about, and that is, and this is one of the things Kevin McCarthy agreed to to lock down the speakership. A new subcommittee, Jim Jordan's going to be the head of it, to uh, investigate, and this is the word in the title, the weaponization of the federal government. What agencies are they going after and why? So they're basically focused most intently on um, the Department of Justice and the FBI because they believe that they have um, gone after Donald Trump. And uh, they're going to be investigating the investigators and calling into question uh, the resources that have been directed at um, the many potential crimes of Donald Trump and um, the January 6th rioters uh, and obviously Trump's centrality in the January 6th uh, insurrection, uh, Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago documents um, mess. So. It, it it is it's just a way of um, undermining the the investigation into Donald Trump and um, and undermining the FBI and the Department of Justice and of course the irony is not lost on us Bill that the Republican Party is now uh, the party you know that that trashes the FBI yeah uh, this is this is really something um, but they are going to. Um, they're going to put them through the paces and they're going to have all these hearings and they're going to raise money off of screaming at these figures in these hearing rooms. Um, and that's, that's the intent. That is literally the intent is to demoralize the investigators, call into question the investigations and raise money um, among MAGA voters looking like champions of, of, of people protecting Donald Trump. So let me be sure I get this clear. There is a, a an attempted coup against the United States government. We've seen, we were there, we saw the footage, January 6th happened. The Department of Justice has gone after, I think they've arrested some 900 people so far, who were who invaded the Capitol, who threatened the lives of members of Congress and the vice president of the United States, who trashed the Capitol. And Republicans are going to go after the Justice Department for investigating those people. Who tried to overthrow our government? This yes, this is a this. How is does a, this add up? It's just so hard to the January sixth stuff is really, really hard even now, Bill. To um, more than two years later, to to sort of assess the, the derangement on the right about the need to dismiss it as nothing, the refusal to acknowledge its damage and its danger. Um, they. They they whitewashed it from the start, and they call the January six rioters, you know, uh, political prisoners, and you have to downplay uh, Trump's role, everyone in the White House's role. Um, all you know, the, the RNC held a vote. Remember, remember last year to re to refer to the 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 protest as legitimate political discourse, and 
this is the largest crime in American history, and this the the response from the right is just purely deranged. But it continues, and, it, and it's a litmus test of Trump's, um, and they're not separating themselves from it. The, the Republicans um, in, in the House right now, uh, many of them, eleven of the seventeen chairmen, Bill, were were among the 147 Republicans who voted to decertify mm. Joe Biden's election. And no one, even after the midterms of 2022, no one, no one knew on the Republican side has come forward and said, we really need to let this go. January 6th was serious. We've seen all the evidence from the hearings and we're going to move on from this and make sure it never happens again. I mean, everyone is still in their own camps and the camp on the right continues to pretend that this is a made up, um, alarmist fantasy on the left. Right. Just a, a, a little point there. They voted to decertify Joe Biden's election the very night of January 6th, right? After they had fled for their lives right. um, from, from the protesters. They're, but I've also read that the Pentagon is one of their targets as well, the military. In fact, I've read the Pentagon knows that they're going to be called in front of this weaponization a subcommittee and, and are preparing on how to respond. What are they accusing the Pentagon of, of being Democratic Party pawns? I mean, yeah, so I, I don't I think the the hearings into the Pentagon will be will probably take. I mean, I don't know how much time they'll be spending in front of the weaponization committee, certainly in appropriations committees and and budget hearings and stuff. They plan to grill people mm. in the Pentagon, the, the top brass of the Pentagon about military spending on, quote, wokeness. And uh, they believe yeah. Jim Jordan said two things uh, last weekend on Fox News when he was interviewed and said everything's on the table, including and especially Ukraine funding. He said there are too many generals in the military. The ratio between generals and enlisted is out of whack. And he believes that they can find significant savings if they if they reduce the number of generals and then get rid of all the wokeness, quote unquote, all the wokeness, all the woke in mm -hmm. the military. And so any money spent, which obviously is going to be nominal, um, on diversity and inclusion, this type of thing, um, obviously these inclusive, these are policies. Um, it's not, it's, they're not going to find any significant savings out of dewoking the military. Yeah, no, but again, no, this is a performative exercise that's going to raise them a lot of money and make their voters really happy. Yeah. So, so let me ask just one final question. There are, and I'm, I'm circling back uh, to the House agenda again, based on the, your column, Real Clear Politics. You know, in the House, there are 20 Republicans, I believe that's the correct count, who represent districts that Joe Biden won. These are the so this is the so-called moderate block of Republicans. Do you see any chance that at some point this group says, hell no, we're not going to go along with a lot this agenda with all these spending cuts uh, and really, um, you know, maybe block the MAGA group or Kevin McCarthy from going in such extreme directions? You know, so far, I haven't seen them getting loud. No, I haven't either. <laughs> yeah. And I think that when you think about what it would be like for them, first of all, I think that they're confident. 
that the rebels in the end are not going to get those cuts. Mm-hmm. And that McCarthy's going to do what I described at the beginning, yeah. which is fold tent at the last minute and a bill that the Senate majority, um, you know, 10 rational Republicans or nine rational Republicans and Democrats send over to the House is going to is going to pass with all the Democrats and, you know, whatever it is, 14 Republicans. Mm-hmm. And it's going to go to Biden for signature. And then Kevin McCarthy is going to face the heat of a thousand suns from the right. But what's interesting is in terms of how much these Brian Fitzpatrick and Don Bacon and these people rear their head, because if they do it too much, um, they're going to face primary challenges from the right. Of course. Right. And so it's, it's so hard to really ascertain what is their incentive Brian Fitzpatrick, who's the uh, Republican chair of the Problem Solvers Caucus, you know, he talked about discharge petitions during the mm-hmm. you know, the speaker, speaker vote when McCarthy was on the ropes. And the truth is, discharge petitions are very cumbersome and difficult to pull off. And it is a huge waiting period. It's not something you can pull out of your pocket the last minute like lightning. Um, but it, you know, they're the the idea of them doing a discharge petition where six republicans join all the all the democrats and try to pass like a common sense mm-hmm. consensus yeah. bill on the floor on i don't know funds for mothers and crisis pregnancy centers or background checks for guns or something that's really going to appeal to swing voters is can you imagine yeah. the wrath no. they would face oh yeah yeah so it is going to be interesting to see when they raise their heads and for their voices so far it's not clear to me what they'll push back on i know i know some people a lot of people are counting on that right as a way out of this madness but uh i'm not one of the people who counting on counting on that uh one thing for sure ab as crazy as it is it makes great fodder for you and for me uh <laughs> and gives us plenty to write about and talk about right and we'll continue we'll continue to do so and with that, with that, uh, tell us how people can follow you and find you when you're not here on the Bill Press Pod. Um, well, that's an interesting question. I'm actually not oh. on Twitter, Bill. Um, oh, okay. yes, I'm a little bit of a um, a granny when it comes to social media. I'm on Twitter anonymously as my news feed, so they'll have to find me. Um, at Real Clear Politics, and I also contribute to the Bulwark, and I am a guest host on Sirius XM, POTUS Channel One Twenty Four. But that's you know you'd have to bump into me. Well, that that's the there's some good locations there, and pretty easy to find Real Clear Politics and the Bulwark, both great, great, great sources. By the way, uh, AB, thank you so much for all your good work. Thanks for uh, our friendship over the years, and thanks for joining us today on the Bill Press Pod. We'll talk again soon. I appreciate you, Bill. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap with uh, A.B. Stoddard again. You can follow her at Real Clear Politics and in the Bulwark and see her occasionally popping up on cable TV. Uh, We will be back on Friday with our regular Reporters Roundtable. Lots to talk about this week. Uh, What's the latest on the Joe Biden document front? And what's the latest on Kevin McCarthy's efforts to pursue this super mega Republican agenda? We'll talk about all of that on Friday. Have a good week, folks, and come back and see us on Friday, the next edition of the Bill Press Pod. 